This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. There was one thing that absolutely derailed the Nuggets in their loss to Miami. And while I'm not taking anything away from the Heat in their win, the question is, will it happen again in this series? I don't know. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And I, th- I can't believe I'm saying this phrase about a team in the NBA Finals, Harry. But last night, the Nuggets looked undisciplined. Oh. We saw, as we mentioned earlier, KCP be overly aggressive defensively, and it cost multiple points, right? We saw turnovers all over the place. We saw defense that felt flat-footed at times. We saw uh, the, the inability to dissect. They got run down from behind. They weren't paying attention to the little details. The Nuggets are where they are in part because the little details are something they nail every single time. I kept watching last night thinking this is a shell of Denver because they don't look disciplined. And if they're not disciplined, they're not going to win. I just don't know that we'll see that version of the Nuggets because, frankly, I don't know that we've seen that version of the Nuggets much throughout the entire playoff. Yeah, it was weird watching um, a lot of the miscues that they had within that game last night that the Miami Heat won game two. And, Fitz, it was just some of the things happened at, you know, critical moments in the ball game from – you know, Jeff Green boxing out, and then it ended up being a Duncan Robinson three-pointer. Uh, Jamal Murray at the end of a shot clock, biting on a head fake from Duncan Robinson. He goes by, shoots another three. Why not just stay on the ground and force him to shoot a longer-distance three-point attempt? And then you've seen uh, uh, KCP on multiple occasions fouling three-point shooters, and I'm glad Frank Osola brought it up when we just had him on. There was a on numerous of times where I've seen KCP so far off of his man in the lane, and I was saying to myself, like, why are you cheating over so much? It's not like you got a damn Kyrie Irving dribbling the basketball. That's a that's just a just a natural ball handler like that. That's gonna get to the lane and get to the paint. But then it was allowing other guys to get those open looks, fouling at the wrong time. There were two and ones in particular. One, when Bam went up for a dunk and Michael Porter Jr. fouled him. Come on, man. The man's already got the angle. Just give him a layup. Just give him a layup. And if you're going to foul him, make sure he doesn't make the shot if you're going to foul him. And then you had another one with Jimmy Butler. He shoots a mid-range jump shot. Jump shot. I believe it was maybe Aaron Gordon just ran into his lower body. So that's two points right there that I just talked about, right? How many points did the Nuggets lose by? Yeah, three. Three. Okay, so then we talked about all the free throws from the three-point line. And then, you know, Max Struess early in the game, KCP, the shot, it's like .7 on the shot clock. And he has to heave up a prayer. And you foul him. Little moments you like that in the ball game. Like they, exactly. they saved him on that, but Harry. Like, you're right. Those are the little moments. Like, when you're talking about that late, you've got to be disciplined. Disciplined. Like, yep. that, the, there is just a level of, of NBA basketball at its finest that is about making the smart, correct basket. How often do we hear this? That was a good basketball play. We heard after game one, I think it was Van Gundy in analyzing Jokic at one point said, I don't know that I've ever seen this before. 
he's made the right play every single time. And it's not always just about buckets or no buckets. It's not always about boards or no boards. It's about are you making the right play at the right time. You just mentioned that. You're bailing out your opponent when you foul him on that play with that much time left. You're bailing out your opponent when you're giving up long rebounds where you're just standing there watching the ball go to the other side. You're bailing out the opponent when you got 14 turnovers. Like, and some of there those, you go. Those turnovers. I'm glad you woo. brought that up. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I'm saying to myself, like, how are they so careless with the basketball and allowing the Miami Heat to get back into the ball game? Because of the turnovers. But here's the one thing that really bothered me about the Denver Nuggets last night that I did not see from the Miami Heat. Okay, you think calls aren't going to going your way. Stop whining about it. Stop crying about it. Play the game. The game goes on. The game moves on. You're not going to get every call. Some nights it's just going to be like that. You think whining and complaining about it is going to change the referee's mind? No. No, it's not at all. But the Miami Heat never did that. They never did that. They never complained about it. They just went out there, played tough. They played hard. They got the loose balls. They got the 50-50 balls. They did the little things right. They shot a high percentage from the three-point line. They did all the little things right on top of being physical, on top of having the energy, on top of exerting themselves. Because but you, here's the thing. The, the Nuggets had three bench players that scored more, I believe, than – three of their starters or equal to their starters. You can't have that if you're going to win an NBA championship. You mentioned the way Miami played. It's Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, uh, presented by Progressive Insurance. When you start to think about specifically aggressiveness, like you can be aggressive and still play quality basketball. We've asked Jimmy Butler to do that how many times? Uh, one of the things I feel like I've said every single game is check the number of drives. After the game, it's simple. You want to know if Jimmy Butler was doing what he needed to do, check the number of drives. How many drives did he have last night? 19. He had eight in game one. When he's doing that 15 to 20 drives per game and he's being aggressive with the basketball, Miami wins. It's the case through the Celtics series. It's the case through this series so far. I will stand by that all day. The numbers simply show it. The crazy part about that is that he's being aggressive 19 drives, but he's doing it with control. When you can yep. be aggressive and stay within the control that you need to to make the right basketball play, now you're winning games. Like That's the difference here. It, even when the officials are up and down, and I thought they were over, over the course of the game, there were a lot of questionable calls, I thought, for both sides. Uh, even when that's happening, Jimmy Butler still found a way to be aggressive with the basketball. He still found a way to get 19 drives. He still found a way to force contact, force free throws, and force opportunities, which is what comes from it. It's about being aggressive, but also doing it with control and discipline, and that's what the Nuggets weren't capable of doing at all last night. And Fitz, let this sink in. So KCP and Michael Porter Jr. combined together had 11 points. Bruce Brown himself had 11 points. Mm. Jeff Green had nine points. Christian Brown had six points. Shot three for three from the field and actually came in, you know, had some assists, had three steals, gave the Denver Nuggets a boost of energy that they needed, and all three guys on the bench were a plus in the plus-minus category. Think about that. If you get that sort of productivity from bench guys in a game you lost by three points, I mean, all of this when you add up just shows you how wild the game was. Fitz and Harry brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Now, clearly we are we are here for all the heat love. They deserve a lot of love uh, through this process. But Kendrick Perkins, ESPN NBA analyst on Get Up, wants to make sure that we remember he loudly picked the heat coming into the series and maybe we should start tipping the cap. 
I hear all this this stuff about what Denver what Denver didn't do defensively. How about the Miami Heat and the way that they played with pace in the half court? The way that guys were cutting to getting guys open shots, the misdirection plays that they that they played with the, within their offense, the DHOs making Bam the point center. That was huge, and I, I, I just think we underrate what the Miami do, Miami Heat do offensively, but they do a really great job of it, and it's hard. Just like it's hard to stop Denver offense, it's hard to stop the Heat offense. Yeah, it's particularly, Harry, hard to stop the Heat offense when you realize this. Three-point field goal percentage this season. During the regular season, they had the lowest in the NBA. In the playoffs, they have the highest. So there is, there's been a transformation. And you now, no matter what the book on the Heat was two months ago, the book on the Heat now is that they can shoot. And when they shoot the way they shot last night, they're going to beat you. But you know what, Fitz? And, and I tell you, and I've said this before to you, I understand that three that three point percentage in the regular season wasn't that good, but if you look at the seasons before that, they they it was good, right? Maybe that those guys at the moment they just wouldn't. But and then when Gabe Vincent got inserted, inserted into the starting lineup, I think that made a huge difference. And remember when he missed that game against the Boston Celtics, and I said Gabe Vincent, I didn't understand how much he was missed by the Miami Heat until he didn't play in that game five. I think it was that game five. But him and what he's been able to do, 23 points, 8 for 12 field goal-wise, mm. 4 for 6 from the three-point line. Mm. Him being able to stretch the floor that much more because he is an elite shooter when he shoots the basketball. Like If he has a wide-open look, you know what I say to myself when, when, when it's up in the air? Cash. Mm. Cash <laughs> money. Cash. Hey, yes. It's going in. Why is it when you say cash, it feels amazing when I say cash? A little soul in it. A little, little soul. Cash. There's a little culture. A little, little culture yeah, in that. something. Uh, we got a lot to break down on this, obviously. The series now tied 1-1 after an incredible game. Not just an incredible finish, but an incredible game between Miami and Denver. Where's it going to head? We'll figure that out. But speaking of cash... I lost a bunch of it this weekend in Vegas. We're over an hour and a half into the show. Haven't mentioned the Golden Knights. And maybe, maybe my biggest faux pas in the history of being out in public. We'll tell you about it. Come up three up, three down. Going to get you caught up on some of the best of the weekend next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. top stories in sports guys huge news over here to the bottom this is it rock bottom this is three up three down with Fitz and Harry it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio the ESPN app Sirius XM channel 80 Harry Douglas Jason Fitz it's Monday and you know what that means it's time for a little three up three down y'all know the drill like for the longest time I was the villain like I got to give the three downs every week but you know what things have been going really well in life I'm, I'm feeling happy I got the joy 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 down in my heart yet again I get to do the ups we'll have the fancy number and then I'll give you something I'm hot on Harry will give you something he's not on are we ready HD you feeling good about this I asked you that just as you took a sip of Gatorade what flavor Gatorade is that by the way Yellow. Oh, okay. Yellow is the best. You know how black people answer. Yeah. No, I know that. Like, I, I, I was. My God, you weren't going to give me the actual favorite name. Uh, no, it's you... lemon lime. Okay, uh, it's, <laughs> it's. By the way, that's the original Gatorade, and I am still uh, like, I'm all in on that. Yellow is my favorite of the uh, of the 
uh, Gatorade flavors. There we go. That's I'm up on yellow. See, that's just a little teaser of what we're going to do here. Let's play the number. Number one. The first thing that I'm up on. Oh, Viva Las Vegas, baby. The Vegas Golden Knights on my birthday. I go at lag. Let me just tell you, we were chronicling it on, on social media as much as I could. Because let me tell you, whew, night got a little fuzzy by the end of the whole thing. But out there, T-Mobile Arena, I have been lucky enough to be at a Stanley Cup final before in my life when I was covering the Predators in Nashville. I went into Vegas not knowing what to expect, and I had a blast. I am, if you are watching us in the app, wearing my Stanley Cup final hoodie. I also bought a pullover. I made it rain on swag, stood there and watched a marshmallow set on the uh, out on the uh, plaza, and then went into T-Mobile, beautiful arena, incredible environment, incredible atmosphere. The connection between the Vegas Golden Knights and the city of Las Vegas is real. It's very, very real through the suburbs, through the whole city. It is a true connection between an organization that's invested in a community and a community that's invested in an organization. I loved every second of it and walked out an even bigger fan. Proud of my city in Vegas for the way that they hosted the event. Even more proud of the Vegas Golden Knights for getting the big win and having a one nothing Stanley Cup final lead. Whoo! Oh, Harry, all right. Well, well, I think what I'm most proud of for you, though, is that you made it back in one piece, my man. So, I mean... Not only did you get to celebrate your birthday in the Golden Knights winning game one of the Stanley Cup Finals, you came back to us in one piece so we can do this damn show. Look at that. See, that's positivity, but you have to be negative now. Yeah, it's time for me to be negative, and it's, it's, it's easy for me because we just watched the NBA Finals game two last night. So the Denver Nuggets and their defense, mm. unacceptable, terrible, horrible. The communication was not there. They allowed open shooters. The energy and the effort wasn't there. They were fouling three-point shooters, discombobulated on so many different levels to the point to where they better get that straightened out because they have given the Miami Heat life. That's my number one down this week, Fitz, but I love your number one up, baby. Uh, and by the way, I will double down. If there's anything I've learned from working with Harry Douglas, you are going to make the down list if you don't have intensity on the controllables. And defensive intensity is a control. Give a damn defensively is controllable. So I, I love that for your down. Uh, let's get to the next number. Number two. The second thing that I'm up on. Oh, you're going to notice there's a theme to all of this. Aiden Hill, the goalie. For the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, they've done some back and forth in goaltending. But let that me tell you something. The save, one of the best saves I've ever seen in my life. And I'm telling you, they kept running it over and over and over again on the Jumbotron. And I was shook. Every time they ran it, you just goosebumps. Everybody erupted. It was an energizer moment in a game that at the time was tied. This game was 2-2 going into the third, by the way. So it was a back-and-forth matchup between two teams playing with a ton of speed and a ton of intensity. Aiden Hill diving across the net to somehow use just the edge of his stick to keep the puck out. And ladies and gentlemen, it is better to be lucky than good. The Vegas Golden Knights were lucky on that play because Aiden Hill is good. They get the win partially because of it. So, huge up for Aiden Hill. Well, you know, like Mark Jackson say, mama named him Hill. I'm going to call him Hill. <laughs> Had a baby Hill. So, my number two down happens to be a team that you are very fond of. Also, a lot of people in New York. Huh. Not so much myself. Huh. But the New York Mets. The New York Mets decided that, you know, this weekend they were going to get swept by the Toronto Blue Jays. That now puts them at five and a half games back, uh, first place in the NL East. The Marlins 
are in second place in the NL East. The Braves are in, the phenomenal Braves are in first place. But the Mets, you couldn't win one game versus the Blue Jays. Mm. You're already behind the eight ball. You might as well start winning some games or someone's going to owe me a steak dinner. That's why the Mets are my number two team on the list today on this Monday, Fitz. I, I was sitting, I was standing at a craps table last night when I saw the score come across the ESPN banner on the bottom in the casino, and I thought, man, I'm going to hear about that one. Not surprised it made the list. All right, I'm going to get you. We're doing three up, three down. I've got the ups, things I'm happy about. Harry's got the downs, things he's down on. I've got one more coming for you that we're up on. Number three. Okay, there's a little story on this one, Harry. All right. I made I, I made made a mistake here, so I want to be very oh. clear. Want to be very clear. I'm up on all of the heroes that have given so much for our country, and I'm not a hero. I, it's important to clarify that. See, here's what happened. I walk into T-Mobile Arena, right? I'm sitting there. I'm on this row of seats. Now, I start by creating a community. I notice that there's a mom and a kid, and at the other end of the row, there's a dad and another kid. And they're obviously a family, but because they couldn't get four together, they're separated. So I look at this. And I'm thinking, you know what? We can fix this in this row. So I stand up in the row. I talk to everybody. I'm like, hey, huddle up. We're all going to move down two seats so that these people can move so that this family can sit together. Family gets emotional. and They're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You've made this dream come true. It makes us all very close on the row. We're hanging out. We're having a good time. We're shooting the you-know-what, maybe having a couple of beverages. And by a couple, I mean a lot of beverages. Man, those uh, vodka, double vodka sodas, they, uh, they, were, they were piling up on me. So, you know, I'm sitting there talking to the guy next to me, super nice guy. And you, you've seen this before in stadiums and arenas. There's a moment where they say, you know, stand up to honor heroes. So I stand up. I'm clapping like a barking seal in the middle of T-Mobile. I'm clapping. I'm going on. Guy next to me says, you served? And I was like, well, no, I didn't serve. And he's like, yeah, no, they said stand up so we can honor the heroes in the building that served. I thought they said stand up to honor the heroes. They said stand up so we can honor them. I really blame T-Mobile for this, but I I, I had to come back and say loudly that uh, not my finest hour. I stole valor right after Memorial Day from people that actually earned it and uh, felt terrible about it. So I sat back down sheepishly afterwards and just hoped that no one would look at me. I know exactly why you heard wrong. I I, I know what I know exactly what it was. Yeah. It was the- Blame it on the goose. Blame it on the henny. No. Yeah. <laughs> Blame I, it on the I, 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 alcohol fitzy. I'm just going to be honest. I walked up to the one of the bars in T-Mobile in between periods. I got to the front. They had all these fancy drinks. And he was like, what can you get and what can I get you? And I was like, man, I'm, I'm de-runk right now, so I'll just take whatever tasty drink you want to make me. I still don't know what it was, but it was delightful. That's where my night was. Oh, yeah, that that's, that's where it gets dangerous. When you don't know what you're drinking at I, some point, oh, I, it gets dangerous. I don't dangerous know what then. it was, but it tastes good. All right, that's my three up. What's your third down? All right, so my third down is going to be the, uh, from the Major League Baseball. Go back to the diamond. The Boston Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox allowed Yandy Diaz from the Rays to score inside the park home run, a little league home run. Because of a throwing error. This isn't the first time this has happened to Boston. It's happened to Boston before. But for a team that is so beloved by their fans, and then what also transpired before this game, you had the Boston Celtics losing in seven. The Boston Bruins losing in seven. But then you have the Boston Red Sox looking like the bad news bears and allowing an inside-the-park home run. The Patriots didn't make the playoffs. 
Right now in Boston, things aren't happy when it comes to their sports teams. And the Boston Red Sox made it that much more worse, Fitz. I just That's love, why they're my third down. I love that you called it a Little League home run. That is that is perfectly done <laughs> by you. That's our three up and three down on Fitz and Harry. We'll keep breaking all of it down. Got more stories from Vegas, too, that I sort of remember. We'll get to some of those as the show continues. But coming up, what can the Heat take from Game 2 leading back to Miami? We'll ask an expert. But first, Harry has to tell you this about Granger. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. That's right. It's one game each between Miami and Denver. The Nuggets have officially lost home court advantage. What's it mean moving forward? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. That sounded so dramatic the way, you know, Harry's back there sipping water. I'm like, they have officially lost home court advantage. And I hear it come out of my mouth. And I was like, well, that's a little melodramatic. I mean, it's fact, but it's just, it's just, it's just a little, you know, we're, we're selling a little sizzle on the stakes that, that, that's And it's okay to be dramatic. Okay, I just came you know, out that, that, a few I days like in it. Vegas. You know, I feel, I feel dramatic. You know, this is what happens. You spend a few days in Sin City and all of a sudden everything is uh, everything's all, all or nothing. Uh, let's get some expertise on where the right way to land on this is from ESPN NBA writer Kevin Pelton. Kevin, I always appreciate your time, man. Uh, let's just start right there. Uh, as I just said, dramatically, they've lost home court advantage. We've now seen two games. What it, What's your takeaway that you think moves forward in this series? Yeah, I think the interesting thing is like, you know, as big of a deal as that sounds, it's kind of the opposite, which is, you know, if you're Miami and you go home down 2 nothing, even though, you know, the cliche is the series doesn't start until a team wins on the road. Like, the reality is teams that don't steal one of the first two almost always lose the series. It, it gets increasingly more difficult to pick off that road win you need, and you just don't have as many chances. So I, I think it means we have a series now, but you know, I stu- still think that Denver is the pretty clear favorite in this series, and obviously we're a shot away from taking it to overtime and maybe making it 2 nothing last night. And, Kevin, when you're talking about a head coach like Eric Spolstra, and last night he was asked about Nikola Jokic, and he quickly dismissed, you know, a, a question about, you know, them making Jokic a score more so than a facilitator. When you watched the game last night from a spectator perspective, is that some of the things that you – one of the things that you actually seen that the Heat was allowing him to be a score versus a facilitator Now everyone else couldn't get off? Yeah, I certainly think there was an element of that for you know him to uh, end up with I think four assists last night it is out of the ordinary. I think though you know that the assist total is kind of a function of a couple of things. It's how many opportunities you create for your teammates and how well you hit their sh- those shots. And you know I think one of the storylines coming out of that about like what a you know what a great move it was by the Heat to make him into a scorer is about like Jokic's assist total. So you may have seen the stat that they're eight and nine this season including the playoffs when he has eight assists or fewer but you know that's again a function of teammates making shots uh, one of the cool things we have access to at espn is the second spectrum data on how many potential assists Jokic has in the game and it, he had 10 last night if you look at the games where he had 10 or fewer across the regular season and playoffs they were nine and three so I, I do think there's some degree of merit to, you know, not letting all of the, the Nuggets get off, as you said. But, you know, Jokic can certainly beat you as a scorer as well as he can as a passer. We're talking to Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer, Fitz and Harry, 
So with that being said, what's the adjustment that Denver would now make to counter the adjustments that Miami's making? Yeah, I think it's not necessarily a lot about their offense against the Miami man-to-man defense. You know, Denver still scored very efficiently in this game. I think they, I was a little surprised that they were not better prepared to attack the zone when Miami brought that back out in the fourth quarter. You know, I, I think probably like the Heat coaching staff not using it in the first three quarters when Jokic was on the court again or, or sparingly, you know, assumed that Denver with a couple of days between game one and game two was going to be better prepared to handle that than they were when, when Miami kind of sprung it in the fourth quarter of game two. So I think that's that's a big thing. But, you know, really more than anything, this the last night Miami won this with with offense, and it's a, a matter of Denver finding a way to, uh, to, to find some counters for the pick-and-roll game and Bam Adebayo's playmaking from the high post yeah with everything that transpired in that game last night and one of them being that the Denver Nuggets were terrible I would say defensively because they didn't have the effort the communication was not there they still had an opportunity at the end of the game to tie it and send it in overtime were you okay with coach Malone not calling a timeout on that final possession I was okay with it I mean the if you look at the numbers historically teams actually tend to to score more efficiently when they play without a timeout than when there is one. I mean, the interesting thing about last night is, and I think part of why it stood out so much to viewers, besides the fact that we've been talking about this with Joe Mazzullo a lot during the Celtics playoff run, is it's, it's very unusual to see a close game like that where neither team takes any of the timeouts that you're allowed the two timeouts you're allowed in the last two minutes. And it did feel from that standpoint like maybe we could have all used a deep breath, but, uh, you know, that could have allowed Miami to potentially foul up three to to plan that scenario. There's all sorts of other things that come into play. You're getting a better defensive lineup for the Heat on the court. So those are the reasons that you'd want to play without a timeout in, in that situation. Talking to Kevin Pelton, and Kevin, I know uh, you mentioned second spectrum. They've got some great numbers out there, particularly on Jimmy Butler and driving the lane. And something that we've been yelling about on this show for the last two series is that the numbers are pretty blatant. When he drives the lane, they win. When he doesn't drive the lane, they lose. If it's just that simple, do we plan on seeing this level of aggressiveness from Jimmy Butler for the rest of the series moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it has to do with, you know, the the rest level over the course of his series and his health. And I think that probably was a factor down the stretch against Boston is the Celtics rallied to force game seven. And then, you know, in game one in Denver with the relatively quick turnaround for the heat and the travel and getting adjusted to the altitude. The rest of this series, you only have one game. Uh, the one break between game three and game three and four, where they only have one day in between them. So even though you've got, you know, considerable travel between Miami and Denver, I think that sets up pretty well for Jimmy Butler to continue to have the, uh, the energy for those forays to the hoop. Kevin, for Miami to win game three, who has to be the unsung hero? I mean, I think the Duncan Robinson has really, you know, caused problems for defenses in the last couple of rounds. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy has been highlighting it repeatedly on the broadcast. This is a guy who was not known for his ability to put the ball on the ground whatsoever until the last few weeks and, you know, had been out of the Miami rotation at times in the regular season and early in the playoffs, but he has returned a, a somewhat different player. And, you know, obviously when Max Struess makes threes, it's a big deal for them too. We haven't yet seen that great Caleb Martin game in this series, like we saw throughout the Eastern conference finals, but Duncan Robinson really forces some tough decisions for you defensively, so I'm going to go with them. Love your uh, input as always and your information, Kevin. Really appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks for the expertise, my friend. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. That's Kevin Pelton, ESPN NBA writer. Follow him on Twitter, at KPelton. Uh, does a great job of really breaking down the information. My analytical brain particularly loves so much of what he writes about. Check him out on ESPN.com, of course. All right, coming up. Eric Spolstra dismissed a seemingly benign question last night. We'll deep dive into the actual reason why. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. This song, kind of how I was feeling walking up and down the Vegas Strip this weekend. Put in my headphones so that, you know, like I, I didn't have to talk to anybody and just could go up and down. So I can only imagine that I was busting a move to this song late Saturday night. I don't remember. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. The NBA Finals tied at one game each after a big win for Miami, a three-point win in Denver. It shifts home court moving forward, and we saw something we hadn't seen in game one in the sense that it felt like Miami was willing to let Jokic score but not let him facilitate. Seems, Harry, like that's a popular opinion, uh, as it was something referenced in the broadcast. We've heard smart minds reference it throughout the course of the entire conversation. Uh, however, it may not be that simple. Eric Spolstra, the Heat head coach, was asked this question by our very own Ramona Shelburne, one of the most respected NBA reporters in the league. And uh, here's the question and the response. I, this is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when teams play against Jokic, you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. You, he only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that, that's, that's ridiculous. That's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. Twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say, oh, make him a score. That's not how they play. They, they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. We have to focus on what we do. You know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way. Man, we, he has our full respect. Well, I, I would say this. Part of what Coach Spolster is saying is true, but also, you know, the numbers don't lie. Nikola Jokic in his playoff career, when he's had 40 points or more, guess what the Denver Nuggets are, Fitz? 0-4. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we seen him be a facilitator in game one, so much so that he only took three shots at halftime. And we see him diversify the basketball to multiple guys and basically get looks that they wanted. Now, they didn't shoot a great percentage from the three-point line, but other guys were getting off and getting their shot off and were, were feeling good to the point of where they were happy and they started you know, showing up a little bit on the defensive end as well. I would rather have Nikola Jokic take most of the onus and being the scorer versus having a guy in Nikola Jokic who wants to facilitate first anyway and get everyone else involved now throughout a game, guys aren't cold. They're feeling good about themselves. They have momentum. So when a shot does arise again for them, they've seen a few of them go in already, right? And they already have that energy and that and that confidence. Not saying that they're going to lack confidence, but you get more, you gain more confidence the 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 more the times that you see the ball going through the hoop. Yeah, I mean that's no different. Like look at you, ten years in the NFL. If the opening drive of the game, you have three catches. It, you're you're hitting different, right? Like there's different intensity at that point moving forward. Like there there is such a knowledge of teams 
on how to get guys worked in to make sure that everybody feels like they're they're at their best. What I think is interesting about this is that you're right. The numbers support it. And maybe, as Ramona points out at the beginning of her question, maybe it is an oversimplified view, but the stats back it up. So at some point, what's interesting to me is what I can't figure out throughout the course of the game was that just the strategy or the way it was going. Because I truly felt like the opening couple of possessions, Jokic was overly aggressive. Jokic was the one that came in and was like, I am going to take control early on, miss the first couple of buckets. I thought that was interesting because I'm not used to seeing that. Now, I don't know if that's because of the looks he was getting or because of the way it was going, but even to this point, he had nine assist opportunities, his second fewest in a game this postseason. So certainly Miami made the decision to limit his assist opportunities. Maybe that's a, a, a different way of saying the same thing. That's obviously the strategy, Harry. Well, I'll tell you, uh, one player that it's very, very important to in particular, fits is Michael Porter Jr. Because how many times have I brought this up, and also to you and Devin, that Michael Porter Jr. at times shoots some of the craziest shots. But when you have a guy, Nikola Jokic, that can deliver the basketball to him in a fashion to where all he has to do is just go up and shoot the basketball, and most of the time that you know Jokic is throwing it to him, he's wide open. Versus him shooting these crazy shots that at times he shoots. And we've seen some of those last night as well, right? But if you have someone facilitating the basketball and putting him in the best positions uh, possible to be successful, now you eliminate some of those shots. But if Nikola Jokic has to focus on scoring majority of the times, then he's not able to do that so much. It's all about rhythm for all of these teams, and it was a different rhythm last night. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with their easy-to-use mobile app. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. When I say out of rhythm, that's something that Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA analyst, sort of echoed on GetUp when he talked about why he thought the Nuggets weren't getting the offensive looks they're used to. There might be something to the Heat strategy of letting Jokic go ahead and score all the points and that he is averaging 41 points this postseason and the Nuggets losses. If I showed you the numbers, the Nuggets were still great on offense last night. It wasn't like they failed to score just because the Heat sort of forced Jokic into shooting. But there might be something about the Nuggets overall as a team where they're better defensively when everybody's involved, when they have more of a democratic process because they were a little sluggish defensively last night and Malone really got into them after the game and we'll have to see how that plays out going into game three. Harry, I, st- for a second, let's acknowledge something here. They lost this game 111 to 108. Mm-hmm. 111 to 108. They scored 108 points. Like, we're all sitting here saying, man, I don't know, this might be the method for Jokic. How about you play some defense? Like, a- at some point, you scored 108 points. That should be with a paced play in the fourth quarter that was actually slowed down. Uh, offense wasn't the problem for the Nuggets. Defense was. you got to string together stops against Miami. Well, that and also the loose balls, you got to get them. You can't allow second-chance points to the Miami Heat in critical moments of the basketball game. You can't be fouling three-point shooters on multiple of occasions. You can't go for pump fakes when the shot clock is going down when someone is about 27, 28 feet from the basket and you allow them to take a dribble inside and get a better look and wide-open look and the three gets knocked down. So that's why you have to be locked in from a mental standpoint and also a physical standpoint. That's why a lot of people say the game just isn't physical. It's mental as well. And the Denver Nuggets on a defensive end, they weren't there at times physically or mentally. And that's what I don't think will happen again. I don't think that the Nuggets 
will give us that mailed-in a performance again. I think that was a wake-up call for a team that walked into the arena for whatever reason thinking they were going to walk out with a win no matter what. That's what's going to be interesting. We have a ton more to break down on this game, as obviously all eyes have been on the NBA Finals. But coming up, who are the biggest challengers to the Chiefs in the AFC? Our next guest has an answer that might surprise you. You'll hear it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 